0: What is up Surf Splendor listeners? Welcome back to the show. I am David Scales, your host of Surf Splendor as always. Um, man, lots happened in surfing since we last recorded. I think it's been three weeks. Um, last week, Scott and I were going to Record after Rio, uh, and then you know the event got pushed back towards the end of the week. Scott's been sick. There's been um, a number of things that have prevented us from meeting and bringing you this show. But here it is. Thrilled to be back. So yeah, in today's show, the news was released this morning that Kelly Slater's wave pool, which has been a hot topic of conversation has actually been purchased by the WSL, the World Surf League. So we've got that to discuss. We've got the OIRIO Pro to discuss. We have the upcoming Fiji event to discuss, but um, kind of more importantly or more certainly more newsworthy at the moment is that it was 15 foot at cloud break the last couple of days and um, lots of things happened there. Aaron Gold almost died and uh, gives us a lot to look forward to not in relation to Aaron's incident, but just with that swell. It gives us a lot to look forward to with the WCT events that are coming in the next couple of weeks. So lots to discuss in this show. I hope that you've been getting waves. Um, Southern California has been pretty bad, actually. There's a little swell, but just horrible wind, basically, every day, morning, noon, and night. So I have been dry for a fair bit, and I'm anxious. Not only to get in the water, but just get some physical activity going. There's something on the way, so I'll be all right. Don't worry about me. But hopefully you've gotten a few waves. And um, looking forward to diving back in. So without much further ado, I guess the only things that I should remind you is just on social media at Surf Splendor and then our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Leave a comment in the comment section. Share the show with friends, blah, blah, blah. You know what to do. All right, without further ado, enjoy today's show, Surf News, for May 24th with our co-host Scott Bass. Enjoy.
1: Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody, down on Surf Talk Radio. It's Tuesday, the 24th of May, the year 2016, David Lee Scales and Scott Bass with you here in the... Surfing Heritage and Culture Center Library slash boardroom.
0: Yeah, guy. Thank you for persevering, Scott. We are behind schedule in terms of up, you know, releasing shows. And then today or yesterday, Scott texted me saying that he was deathly ill on his deathbed and he might not survive the day, much less be able to report a, record a podcast tomorrow. So I shamed him for our listeners and insisted that he rally. And uh,
1: here he is. Well, you know, um, when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to text David and say, no, I can't do this. Did you really? Yeah. And then, you know, I had a cup of coffee. I do my surf report for the radio shows down in San Diego. And, and then I saw the Kelly Slater Wave Company thing come across. Yep. And I was just like, I'm just going to have to drink some coffee and battle up here and do this.
0: If you're going to honor your... Uh, surf Report obligation. Then you got to honor the podcast obligation. The podcast
1: is <laughs> much heavier obligation. Well, before we get as, into that, yeah,
0: you often uh, we end up talking about music at the beginning of shows a lot of times, yeah, unintentionally, but it happens. Yeah. But today is Bob Dylan's birthday.
1: <laughs> you mean? You mean? uh <laughs> Floyd the Barber from the Andy Griffith Show.
0: No, I mean one of the greatest musicians of all times. Not musicians, but what's his name? Robert song, Wasserman.
1: Robert. What's his yeah, name? Yeah,
0: I'm not sure. I'll figure it out. It's Like but, Robert
1: Wasserman or something, or do Robert. You, do you like him? I don't. I don't not like Bob Dylan. I'm okay. quite frankly, I'm kind of naive to him. I know that he's one of the greatest songwriters ever. Like if you actually read his lyrics without the music and sure. without him singing it. It's pretty insane. You know, like he's written some of the greatest, like, you know, the song Like a Rolling Stone. Yeah. Straight up poet. Um, Yeah. Straight up poet. And um, it's funny, right? Because we have that old, that old cella thing that's happening.
0: Yeah.
1: um, This November, I think it is, or something out in India. Right. Where it's the Stones and Dylan and The Who and
0: Neil Young. Neil Young. Yeah.
1: And, um, and you know some of my friends are like, oh yeah, I'm go- I've got a buddy that's going. You know the tickets are right. super pricey, by the way. I
0: know. Otherwise, I'd go. To be honest.
1: And uh, I and mean, he's seen Dylan, and he's like, you know what, Dylan's not that good in concert.
0: He's the worst, dude. I've seen him. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan, and it was like unbearable. I I think we made it to the end, but we might have actually left a little bit early. It was just like, first of all, he's got so many hits that.
1: He doesn't play them. And he doesn't really play them. He plays anything. But even,
0: even if he did play them all, he could do two hours of hits, you know, and then not play a lot of the other ones because he's got four hours worth of hits or whatever. But, um, he was playing a ton of music that I didn't know. Um, and he wasn't playing it well. He's just—he's mumbling. Yeah, he the, mumbles.
1: He's like Floyd the barber from the Andy totally. Griffith Show. And the mix like, is uh, uh, Andy. Andy. Uh, let me. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even do it. But. The
0: sound engineering or the mix is just off. So it's just like you just hear like wailing guitar, and you can't really hear anything else, and it's just odd. Um, but I love him just as I love listening to his music. You know. I'm well, amazing. we got
1: into a big conversation about what are. What are the top three rock and roll bands of all time?
0: Hmm.
1: You know, sort of a standard conversation that you get into with your friends from time to time, right? The greatest rock and roll bands of all time, like the top three.
0: What'd you come up with?
1: Well, the sort of the elephant in the room is the 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 Beatles. Like the Beatles aren't really rock and roll. I mean, they are rock and roll, but they were at the time. I sense that the Beatles are they're sort of in their own category, almost. You know, like they're not really. I don't want to call them pop but they're sort of poppy like when you think of rock and roll you think of okay i'm going to throw a tv set out of the hotel window you know and that's not the beatles i disagree and the that's beatles a- are kind of their own thing i think
0: but you're right though throwing the thing out of the the hotel room the tv out of the hotel room that was an era of rock and roll that existed where that was the norm but when the beatles came around they were rock and roll you know
1: i again you know, to me, rock, like the, the two greatest rock and roll bands of all time, number one is the Rolling Stones and number two is Led Zeppelin. Mm. And to me, that is, okay, kick out the jams, heart pounding rock and roll. The Beatles are just beautiful melodies and harmonies, a lot of sure. harmonies and, you know, gorgeous music and symphonies and just, you know, I just, but 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 they're probably the best band ever. Right. You know, so you can't really put them in that category of rock and roll. Like if you if you just sort of subcategorize it and say rock and roll band two greatest, what's the greatest rock and roll band? Some would argue Led Zeppelin, others would argue the Rolling Stones. Or that, you know,
0: I think the the Who would come in third strong contest. Maybe. You know what's
1: an interesting one is what about North American rock and roll bands? Yes. What's the number one North American rock and roll band?
0: Yikes. That's a hard one. That's think about that. a super hard
1: one. Can you even name a North American rock and roll band?
0: Yeah, I mean, Nirvana. Nirvana is um, you Jam. nailed it.
1: I think Nirvana actually might be number one. Because what comes up, right, is like Aerosmith, um, Bachman, Turner, over, or actually they're Canadian. Eh? Anyway, there's there's a bunch that you just kind of go, oh, it's you're not really proud to put them at the top. You know, you're right. like, oh, okay, I guess yeah. they're the best, you know. Another one might be Bad Company.
0: Yeah. What about Bruce Springsteen? Oh, yeah.
1: Bruce Springsteen, for sure. That's actually the one. That's yeah. probably the number one rock and roll band. Yeah. North American rock and, and
0: roll. And the E Street Band, of course.
1: Right. <laughs> um, well, this all came about because we went to see uh, Bonham. Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience. Right. The second time I've seen him. I saw him a couple, about a week ago.
0: At the Belly Up?
1: No. We went out to the Saquon Casino in El Cajon. To oh, see okay. What a great venue. Oh, my really? God. So good. Just super small, really killer seats. Because mm-hmm. those, those Indian casinos have so much money yeah. that, that anything other than gambling is a good move. If you go out there to play golf, the golf course is insane. Yeah. If you go to see music, the music is insane. The venue is like top notch. Like, because their whole thing is, hey, let's get the bands here so we can get the people here so they can spend money on the casino. right? Totally. So they must pay the bands really well mm-hmm. to come out.
0: Because they get a lot of big acts,
1: huge acts. When you're driving they got out tons to Palm
0: Springs or whatever, you see those billboards, and it's like kind of B-listers, maybe not A A-listers, but B-listers playing every single week.
1: You know? Yeah, and, and the, like I say, they the bands are stoked because the the facilities are insane for yeah. the bands. They're like they're in you know their green room is like a, just a gorgeous living room or something. You know, I mean? point totally. is they have so much money to spend that it's a great venue, Sequans. But yeah, Jason Bonham's. Led Zeppelin experience is so friggin' good. It's better than Led Zeppelin.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Robert Allen Zimmerman
1: is Dylan's That's right. Name. Yeah, Zimmerman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bob Dylan.
0: So, okay, so talking about the rock and roll thing, what about occasionally, or um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame adds new people every oh year, every few years? And like um, NWA, I think, was recently either inducted or nominated. And I had the same thought where I felt like, yeah. They're amazing and they deserve a place in the history books, but they're definitely not rock and roll. The rock and roll Hall of Fame, not. Why would they even be in it? You know,
1: yeah, they I don't, be in the hip
0: hop Hall of Fame or the General Music Hall of Fame, but rock and roll. I know
1: my son argues all the time. My son's like, "Dad, they're so rock and roll," like because, and even the guy at NWA, what is it, Ice Cube or yeah, yeah, Ice Cube? I think even said something along the lines. I'm sort of paraphrasing, but something along the lines of. If rock and roll is all about rebellion and all about, you know, youth kind of like coming out and exposing their angst, then NWA certainly is that. Sure. Right. But if that's your definition of rock and roll, then, you know, a tattoo artist could be a, in the rock and roll. Hall of
0: exactly. Of fame. Rock and roll. Where's roller. the
1: music? Like the music exactly. kind of comes in and
0: rock and roll is a lifestyle. Scott. I'm not sure. It's that, not just a, that's a kind music. of what Ice Cube would say. Yeah, right. Exactly.
1: But but I I would argue, hey, can you play any chords on the guitar? Like do you play instruments. Right. And I think that's kind of important.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I don't have any skin in the game to be honest. I'm not like advocating for rock and roll, but I do think we should honor you know the the genre.
1: Well, here's the problem, right, with the rock and roll Hall of Fame. There's a list. There'll be a if you Google it. There's a list out there of bands that are not in the rock Mm -hmm. and roll Hall of Fame, and it's there's a couple of them that you roll your eyes. You're like, oh my god. Oh, totally. The number one is the Moody Blues. That the Moody Blues aren't in the rock and roll Hall of Fame blows my mind. Right, and so. It makes you wonder, God, there must be some politics there that we don't know about. Like, why wouldn't the Moody Blues? They're incredible. Sure. They were like acid, hippie, acid in 1966 before anyone was.
0: Yeah. Well, Bob Dylan uh, was born May 24th, 1941. So that makes him 75 years old. What made
1: you bring up Dylan? It's his birthday. Oh, it's his birthday. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for not. So listening. we're
0: honoring him. Seventy-five. I literally was finishing the sentence saying that he's seventy-five years old today when you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's on highly medicated. Today. I am.
1: I'm super medicated.
0: <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, I was wondering if the reason why you were down and out, uh, your health was down and out, is just because it's boardroom show aftermath, dude. You had this goal of the boardroom show, which we had last weekend, you hosted. And I've had that happen to me at Christmas time or other big events where it's like I'm putting so much energy into something. And then once it's over, your body just shuts down, you know. So I think I think no, I I
1: don't think that's the case. I think I may have picked something up in the yoga, in a yoga studio.
0: Ooh, hot, humid environment. Yeah. Germs are thriving. I think so. What were you doing, man?
1: Yoga, yeah, <laughs> face you on the floor do? or what? <laughs> yeah, so many many moments during that hour, my face was definitely on the floor.
0: Somebody flung some sweat your way oh in my yoga God. class.
1: I'm just assuming that. That
0: I thought yoga was supposed to be good for you, not detrimental to your health. I think it is.
1: I I have like razor blades in my throat right now, so I can hear. I think him. it's strep throat. Yeah, um, I can hear
0: him, which Bummer, is by guy. the way
1: contagious. You're probably catching it right now. Sweet.
0: Uh, Have you been to the doctor? No. All right. Well, anyway, uh, the boardroom show, man, I would say was the most successful boardroom show that I've been to. You hosted it in a venue. Is it um, 50% larger than the venue we were in last year? Yeah. And it felt more than 50% more crowded even. So there's more floor space, but there was more people there. It was just both days, Saturday and Sunday, packed. Not only that, the vibe was so positive the whole time. Great energy. I think Jerry Lopez has a lot to do with that energy. Um, a lot of people are excited to see him firstly, but secondly, he's just his vibe is good. The guy's got full guru status vibes.
1: Absolutely. So. Yeah, no, you nailed it. I think Jerry's a big reason why the show is a success and it sort of speaks to you know who we honor each year is important from a marketing standpoint quite frankly to oh, of sort of it is. let the you know the genie out of the bag so to speak the other thing that i think was a big deal was the surfer magazine uh seminar discussions yeah. those things were really good yeah. now the audio in that building was lame right. i got to change that around somehow but uh you know we rolled the dice we we we'd see how it went and those things were really were really well received
0: i didn't get to sit in for any of them i went over just to like see the turnout and all that and it um yeah there's plenty of people sitting around standing even. I think the chairs were full of yeah. the one that I went to. So there was a lot of people standing, listening. Um,
1: so the seminars will happen probably okay. bigger and better, um, you know, next time around. That, yeah. I thought that was a big success. Awesome. Yeah.
0: How was the show as a whole for you?
1: He, a huge success. I mean, everybody, the industry, surfboard manufacturing industry was um, was there in force and they, yeah. they were all pretty stuck. I didn't, you know, I haven't heard anything bad. No, um, neither have I you know and so it was it was a rousing success there's no doubt about it well good job man i i well u.s blanks is a big part of that i mean without jeff and kim's involvement and your involvement frankly um we wouldn't be the success it's i always say look i just open up the doors people bring in the killer boards and they bring in the killer energy and they bring in the killer vibes and um you know i could open the doors and um no one would show up and then it's not a great show, you know? So I put the success on the surfboard manufacturing industry, the great sponsors like U.S. Blanks. Um, and and that's really, you know, my thing is more about operations and logistics, you know, and sure. really, quite frankly, anyone can do that. Although there is some marketing that needs to be done, but, but it's the beautiful boards that are brought in that just makes people go crazy, right? I mean, you go to a guitar show, you want to see beautiful guitars, you go to a surfboard show, you want to see beautiful surfboards yada 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 you go to a wine thing like you're into wine yeah you want to taste really great wines and you see the best wineries there and that's that's what we provide so
0: well i think you do a good job of facilitating and making sure that the right people are there and there it's not bogged down with a bunch of novelty things or clothing companies or whatever it is strictly not strictly but predominantly board builders and not only board builders but the best in the industry um And I, my parents came by and I was walking them around and trying to explain surfboard, you know, construction to them and found that when I had to break it down to its most simplistic level and explain the process, that it's an unbelievably labor intensive craft. And I know that, but when I had to explain it from the cursory level, it made me appreciate it more. And then they had questions about cut laps or just pretty basic stuff. And then when I explained that to them, I was just like, holy crap, you're right. This is an amazing art form, functional art form. You yeah. Know? And then I explained to them, well, yeah. And then the way it works is you kind of partner with a shaper who you like and they see the way that you surf. So they build a board for you and then they watch you surf again and they make subtle adjustments and then maybe change a bottom contour, build a new board for you and then You go and ride that and they watch that and then they change something else subtly and you go through this multi-year long process of going through quivers of surfboards to refine the way that you surf, the way that you ride waves and finding the right fit of a shaper is a difficult thing. And my mom was just like, whoa, that's intense. I had no idea. But what a beautiful rad relationship that is to the art form that you don't have when you buy a painting or when you even when you shoot photography or anything like that like this is a symbiotic relationship that synergistic maybe I don't know I really like that word but um, it's just it's rad you know and I I really developed a new appreciation or a deeper appreciation this weekend or last weekend
1: yeah you know it's the thing with surfboards is that there's no such thing as a perfect surfboard they're all great in their own ways you know you know, some, some boards need certain conditions, some boards, not, you know, so that's what's so neat about it. Right. Is that you can never, you can appreciate all the different boards because they're on some level, they're going to be the right board for the right situation.
0: Right. Well then, uh, did the, you have some favorites, favorite surfboards
1: or, yeah, at the show? or booths or
0: yeah. Um, I, well like I've been getting a lot of my boards from Roger Hines in the last couple of years and, um, a couple of things that he had, I thought, were really beautiful. Um, and then I like Gene Cooper's booth, where he had like a basically a history of planers and tools. Yeah,
1: which was really kind of really interesting cool. Yeah, and cool. we're gonna we're gonna try to blow that one up um, next time into a bigger exhibit.
0: Explain what it was for the listener, or did you plan that out with him? Or was I didn't just his know. Booth he he told
1: me about it about two weeks before the show. He's like, hey, I'm going to have all... So he had a series of Skill 100 planers dating back from the very first one, which was like a, a World War II. And, and, and what he also had was the marketing materials that were attached to each one of these planers. So he had marketing materials from 1941 on the Skill planer that explained that the Skill planer was... The reason that we have the Skill 100 planers for um, ships, you know, the World War II decking, you know, so that they could, so that they could, you know, smooth stuff out, I guess. And, and anyway, so he had this history, this legacy exhibit of all of the Skill 100 planers from the very first one to, you know, the last one. They've been, they've been out of commission for maybe 15 years or something like that. But, uh, and then other tools as well, right? And then he had like a guru guy that, that was like a tool tool guru. That knew everything about each planer and what the changes they made from year to year. And it was a pretty, it was something that needs to be excavated from an exhibit standpoint and curated a little finer and maybe, um, you know, more available to the public to get a grasp of it.
0: I thought it was a phenomenal idea for booth design. It was, it was really, really cool. Um, Were those all his planers?
1: I think that most of them are. He's okay. quite the collector of planers. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're all his, but you know, easily ninety percent of them were. You know the other booth or guy that j-
0: makes beautiful surfboards and you've talked about him is Matt Parker at Album Surf. His his aesthetics are always really spot on and beautiful. And so the booth design and layout is always great, but again, the boards themselves are incredible. And so Listeners, the best way to kind of see that is just on his Instagram. I think it's Album Surf at Album Surf. Um, those boards, I've never ridden one. Do you have any of his boards? No, I've
1: never, I've never, I've, I've wanted to get them. There's so many boards there that I, I want to get. That's the problem, I, I really like um, Matt's Matt's boards. I really do. And his boards are beautiful. And then there's an I, and again, they're all pretty insane. Like the XTR booth, if you want real high performance technology, state of the art, cutting edge stuff. Javier's stuff from XTR is really incredible, Yeah. and then um, the other booth that, that there's a guy named Nick who has a company called Rome Surfboards that mm-hmm. looked really nice, you know. And
0: I follow him on Instagram.
1: And then my friend um, Ryan Sakel from Arise, yeah, who is a great shaper and a great surfer, and comes from a real history. You know, his family's got a real history in the surfboard industry in
0: Huntington, actually, where I'm from. But right. now Ryan lives in Encinitas, where you're from, right? <laughs> so overlap
1: there and a bunch of others i mean uh, you know it'd be remiss not to mention everybody but we just don't have the time but uh, a bunch of good good boards
0: well what do you do now man you, all year long leading up to this event and now it's over what do you do with your life you get sick other than yoga
1: <laughs> no um, i'm trying to plan some other stuff yeah what about here i'll throw something at you pitch it dude guitars brews and guac i thought
0: you were gonna say babes <laughs> um, I like it. Guitars, brews, and guac. I'm into all three
1: things. Yeah, guitars, brews, and guac. Okay. A festival.
0: It's hilarious, actually. I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> like, guac is a funny thing to, like, shoehorn into that.
1: <laughs> San Diego's got a huge avocado um, industry.
0: Yeah. Who doesn't like avocado?
1: Everybody does. Love them. Wouldn't it be cool yeah. to, like, go to a, a brewery, and guacamole festival, and you have guitar—you know—guys playing music on the stage. Yeah, that was the idea. So you got killer music, and you got killer beer and killer guacamole. Yep, I'm in. Boom, I'm in. Done. <laughs> Sounds
0: like a party, dude. Yeah, it's, I mean, everyone
1: can relate to that. Yeah. So I'm trying to see if I can create something like that.
0: Okay, I'm in. We'll see. Tell me where to sign up, buddy. I will. All right. Well, um, in regard to surfing, we had. You, I mean, do you want to start off with the news of the day, which is the WSL Holdings uh, acquiring Kelly Slater's Wave Pool? Show was already scheduled for today, but we woke up to the news of that this morning. So, break it down.
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little bit ill here. I'll just read the first paragraph of this press release. It kind of breaks. It kind of summarizes it. WSL Holdings, right, the parent company of the World Surf League, today announced an agreement in principle to acquire a majority stake in the Kelly Slater Wave Company. The partnership between the WSL and the Kelly Slater Wave Company will be dedicated to promoting the growth of high-performance surfing around the world. Kelly Slater Wave Company's revolutionary technology creates a number of possibilities for the future of the sport, and the WSL and the Kelly Slater Wave Company envision the build out of a global network of WSL branded high performance training centers utilizing this wave technology. And then the press release goes into a bunch of um, quotes from the stakeholders like speaker and Slater and WSL people. I'm um, basically, you know, saying what we already know. It's a great thing, it's cool, blah blah blah. So, what are your thoughts on this? It makes a lot of
0: sense. Um, You know, Oftentimes with news topics for this show, they'll show up online and I'll read through the comment sections and those things generate ideas and opinions and thoughts in me. I haven't read anything about this at all. I saw it on Instagram, was getting out of bed to come down here, and so I haven't had a lot of time to read what other people's opinions are, so I strictly have my own fresh opinions. My thought was this makes perfect sense. It dovetails exactly with what we've talked about the WSL uh, doing or what we think that they're doing over the years, which is developing this really cool culture and platform that ultimately won't be profitable if they only cater it to us, the core surfers, because that's limited to coastlines with guys who are actually surfing in the ocean. Very small population, basically. So what they really need to do is do what the other clothing brands have done, which is cater it to, or at least appeal to, middle America and middle parts of whatever other countries where there are people, where there's a lot larger numbers of people, but maybe they're not actually surfing. What this will allow them to do is turn all of those people into surfers. What your press release just said is that it's going to be a trading ground for you know, high-performance surfers, I think what it's ultimately going to do and what they're not saying is they're going to be able to make wave pools in Colorado and Idaho and all these places where they can now open up surfing to massive amounts of pop, uh, of the population and then sell them the television stuff and maybe clothing and these jerseys. And, and then they'll partner with a surfboard manufacturer to sell these people surfboards and stuff. I think that's really what they're laying the groundwork for. And the, Kelly Slater was probably laying the groundwork to do that with the wave pool, but to be honest, the WSL is the is the entity that's best positioned to do that. It'd be like the NBA developing basketball courts across the country and then selling people entry fees to come play at those basketball courts. I think it's positions the WSL in a way that could make them grander than the NBA, grander than the NFL. You know?
1: Well, I would agree with everything you said. My thoughts on this were that it wasn't surprising at all. Um, it was almost like we saw this kind of coming, you know. You, like it wasn't like a big shocking headline when I saw it this morning. No, it's like, no. oh yeah, it's about time, you know. So Kelly Slater and the WSL together—that's been an ongoing partnership for a while. Um, my other thought on this is this must be a pretty big payday for Kelly and, and for others. Like, how do you value this? I don't know. That's the big question for me. What's the number? Of course, they don't say. I went on to Bloomberg, who did a pretty good report on it, the best report, I think, on it, and uh, they didn't know either. But how do do you value something like this? There's no sales numbers to sort of put a 10 times multiple or seven times multiple on. There's no revenue mark that you can kind of go, okay, well, they made this much this year. We can assume that. They're going to triple that growth. You know, so there's, there's not
0: even a revenue model in place.
1: Exactly. There's no revenue. So, so how, how do you? How much do you think they bought it for? Them? Now know. it's a partnership thing, right? So my my gut feeling here is that they bought It says they bought a majority stake. So let's say they bought fifty-one percent.
0: I thought it said they agreed to enter into a majority.
1: Yeah, they're stake. they're so laying. They haven't, d- they're, they haven't signed the paperwork yet. This yeah. is more like we're about to go to our lawyers are about to meet and comb through all this sure. crap. But it's going to happen, right? So a majority stake to me says fifty one percent minimum, right? Might be more than that, but for sure fifty one percent is the WSLs now. So let's just say you buy fifty percent of of this thing. What is this value? What is fifty percent of this? Is it five hundred million dollars? I'm not sure. I mean. If their whole thing is to provide high-performance surfing around the world, that speaks to what you and I have talked about before, which is the first country that's going to buy one of these is going to be Australia, and it's going to go into their Hurley Performance Center. And so what is the WSL selling to this country, the nation-state of Australia? They're selling the technology and the guy that goes and builds it for them? like. Right. So anyway, it's just fascinating to try to figure out the number. It is. Th- that's on this. How much did Kelly Slater <laughs> just sign? And
0: well, how much did he invest into it in the first place? Well five hundred and
1: seventy five thousand been- bucks for the twenty acres in Lamar. They paid five hundred and seventy five grand for that. Okay. For those twenty acres. Now the Bloomberg article said that a lot of the cost is Kelly's. Right. Now I don't know what that means, how much of that, you know.
0: But we do know he's been developing the tech for ten years. Right, so, so there's how, do 10 value, years of equity, how do you value sweat your equity? 10 years right. of sweat equity, Then the land cost, then the manu the um, manufacturing of the thing. Once you have and the the, uh, land. the
1: other guy, there's probably like five guys in Kelly Slater Wave Company that are big players, right? Like Terry Hardy. It's interesting, right? Because Ziff and his wife are also involved in the Kelly Slater Wave. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so <clears throat> excuse me, it's so incestuous. It's hard to figure out how this deal is going to go down. But it's got to be a lot of money. I think it's, I think it's got to be five hundred million dollars. I think in twenty years you're going to go five hundred million dollars. They got a deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it seems like a lot now, but in twenty years, I mean, I, I, how much does it cost to build one of these things? To make one of these things? Like,
0: I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that half a billion dollars. It sounds that's a lot. You can justify that. Maybe it's and 100 that hundred It sounds fair, but at the same time. It sounds outrageous, and I think that this era of spending tons of money, especially in the tech sector, for things that aren't proven—you know, like Instagram—proven? Not, no. The revenue model's not proven, right, and other is- wave pools have right. been actually have. Uh, been sued out of commission. You know what I mean? Like been sued out of profitability. And this could very well, that could very well happen to this thing as well. So I think that era where in the tech sector, people paid billions of dollars for things that don't have revenue models might be a thing, a, a temporary blip in our history that won't go on forever. You know, I remember Instagram, I think it sold for $2 billion. 18 months into it, like after it had only been around for 18 months, Facebook bought it for $2 billion. It had eight staff members. And it's just like, how do you define that as equitable? And I don't know that they have yet. I don't know that they'll see a return on that $2 billion. Or they certainly haven't. Or I don't,
1: I, you know, it's just like. 100 Let's say it's $100 million. Is that too much? I, I don't know, dude. And what did they buy? Like, did they buy the technology? The rights to the, the-
0: tech and, the, and developing it? I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of random. It's like, scary. it's hard to figure out. It's yeah. hard to figure out how they do a deal like this.
0: It really is. But I do think so. Money aside, yeah, I do think it's a good idea. I think the WSL is a perfect fit to launch this thing around the world. They're the people who are best positioned to do it. Honestly, I thought Kelly Slater was the right guy to do it, and I'm glad that he brought it to fruition. But to take it to the next level. The WSL is kind of the right people to do it, I think.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And and the thing about Ziff, right, is that he does have the kind of money that he can he can kind of roll the dice and be like, oh well, you know what, we tried, we failed. You know, like it's you know I don't know how much they paid for it, but I mean, if you're ever going to roll the dice on something and you are and it makes sense for your other businesses, WSL Holdings, yeah, is the parent company, right. Of which there's the WSL and the Kelly Slater Wave Pool,
0: (laughs) right? Big Wave World Tour.
1: Yeah, but anyway, there's so many other places we can go with the story. Like, what does when's the when's the first WCT event in Lemoore? Right. Um,
0: Yeah, and I don't know. To be honest, that doesn't excite me very much. I don't need to see a, a world tour event there, but there could be some sort of an event there.
1: Yeah who knows and kelly talked about the formatting of the, of an event there because yeah. there are just unlimited waves yeah he was thinking one round is high performance surfing another round is just tube riding right another round is i don't know you know whatever it is
0: well something that came out since our last show in regard to this wave pool is just that kelly invited some friends to surf it and josh kerr was there um steph gilmore kanoa igarashi um Nat Young, Carissa Moore, and to be honest, the wave looks better than it's ever looked. We've only seen footage of the wave from a couple of different sessions, and this, now we've seen it more than ever, because previously I think we saw one or two sessions, and now we get to see these sessions. It looks better than ever. Steph Gilmore got this 33 second barrel that was so insane and maybe 15 seconds of it was kind of a pocket ride but then she gets behind the curtain and it was so rad. It just... Ah.
1: And they changed the bottom, right? So that is that the, what happened? I think that's why the coloring of the wave is different. I think they might have had a black bottom.
0: Oh, is that what it was? And I'm
1: just assuming. Because
0: previously the water looked chocolatey. Right. Now it looks green.
1: Right. It looks yeah. scary green like like Fukushima green. <laughs> right. And it's... But, but I think that's what they did is that they tweaked on the bottom, the, the, the layering, whatever that thing is that, that covering that covers the bottom of the pool is now a different color.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references, so the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, linkedin.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Did you see Steph's 33 seconds? I did. And
1: and you haven't seen this, but in the press release they talk about so Kieran Perot signed off on it right it's kind of funny because part of the press release is like well the next step is to have the commissioner sign off on it and I just thought to myself well <laughs> there's no way the commissioner's going to ride that way and go no it's not good enough for our servers yeah <laughs> but um, so so Kelly had P- Kieran Perot I don't does Paul Speaker even surf I think he might have no idea he had then it, there was some um, water ski guy that lives next door that was allowed to come ride it. He's a total kook. He's never. He's not a surfer, and he caught the first wave and rode it the whole way. Wow! And um, some of his other some of, there was some other mention of some other guys. I'm sure Terry Hardy got to surf it. Um, they brought in another crew, okay. basically,
0: of suits and ties, basically,
1: a mix of everything. Kieran yeah. Perot, the the random next door neighbor guy. Uh, probably like Kelly's girl, you know, fiance or whatever she is and all of that. Um you know I don't know what are the next steps for this thing.
0: Well, the wave is definitely in terms of the WSL doing an event there, the Wave is definitely better than Rio is. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> is this a segue to RIO?
0: I think it should be. Yeah. The Oi Rio Pro. Yeah. Um well, before I get into the event itself, let's just talk about Rio as a danger zone. Prior to the event starting, Carissa Moore and Connor Coffin witnessed a shooting right behind the contest venue, the original contest venue, which ended up getting wiped out by Big Surf, and they had to relocate. But Carissa and Connor were walking back to the contest or leaving the contest zone after surfing, and they heard gunshots ring out at a nearby gas station. They look over, they see a guy fleeing on a motorcycle. They see a guy shot and bleeding. And they said it was one of the heaviest experiences of their life. This is just run of the mill activity in Rio. <laughs> turns out to not be that unusual.
1: Um, How often does that happen in Lamar?
0: Not often. She's <laughs> <laughs> so, a shotgun. So there was a previous story. I remember reading in trans world magazine about Shane Dorian being held up at gunpoint after he won an event there. He won the contest, and then he was walking. I don't know if it was the same day, but he was walking away from the beach holding a surfboard, and he feels something against the back of his head, and it's a guy with a holding a gun to the back of Shane's head going, get on your knees and let go of your surfboards. Shane drops to his knees, lets the surfboards go. The guy takes the boards and says, count to 100, and if you turn around and look for me in that time, I will shoot you. And the guy just stole Shane O's boards and left. Shane counted to 100, thanked his lucky stars, walked away from the thing. Wow,
1: that's I've never heard that.
0: Yeah, I read it in Transworld. I think somebody referenced it um, or just said that Shane got held up at gunpoint. But I do remember reading that story when it happened. Hmm. Michelle Perez, if you remember, got kidnapped. Last year. What? Yes. Why didn't we hear about this? this is we big- did. I think we might have talked about Michelle it. Michelle Borez got him. kidnapped? Last year, Michelle I
1: don't remember was, this.
0: was out in the evening, was walking back to his restaurant or to his hotel after having dinner. A black van pulled up, swung the door open, threw him inside, and was racing through the streets of Rio. He had no idea why he was kidnapped. But they stopped at a red light at some point. He was able to wrestle his way out of the van and run to safety. What? This was last year.
1: This is incredible. Yeah.
0: So I don't remember this. Crazy danger zone where stuff like this happens. Um,
1: Does that happen in Lemoore?
0: No. <laughs> the water quality is obviously abhorrent. Um, jet skis flip over carrying competitors. That happened multiple times. This event, it happened at Adam Melling being carried out to catch waves got the jet ski flipped over happened to Cayo a belly
1: why because the guys don't know how to drive the skis
0: the, well it's a beach break first of all so there's no channels but right. yes the guys I think it's just difficult to drive the skis in those conditions the waves are head-high thumping beach break yeah. it's gonna happen even if you're yeah. an accomplished jet ski driver yeah so Rio is a danger zone what's gonna happen during the Olympics this year you know what I mean like is somebody gonna get killed People Um, are going to get kidnapped. I
1: don't know. (laughs) It's gnarly. Well, I don't know. I mean, it'll be fun to – I mean, not fun, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It's
0: super scary. It's super gnarly. I don't think that there's any governing body that can protect all of the hordes of people that are going to come to watch the Olympics there. There's not the infrastructure in place nor the security in place. And by the way, it seems to be pretty corrupt. You know, so – I'm scared to see what will happen when the Olympics come. If when this little surf event comes, this is the kind of chaos that takes place. If um, anything,
1: it, it makes the Brazil event more exciting, and from a from yeah. purely from a fans' perspective.
0: Well, look at all the people who didn't come to the event: Kelly, Taj, Parco, Fanning, of course. Um, and then where was half the commentary team? Ronnie Blakey, Ross Williams, all those guys weren't there. There was a fill-in. The fill-in guys did a pretty good job. Like, Kaipo Guerrero is always great. We see him at the Triple Crown events, and I think he's, he does a great job. Travis Logie was filling in as deputy commissioner um, for Kieran Perot. Travis Logie's been the commissioner on the WQS mm-hmm. this year. They bumped him up into Kieran's position. I don't know why Kieran wasn't there. Maybe he was, he was on surfing. Wave,
1: wave pool duties. Yeah, he was. He was at the wave pool <laughs> um, in more
0: Strider got bumped up into more of a leader position on the desk. Um, so, and then there was, how does Strider do? Uh, he didn't do great. As far as I'm concerned, like you need to, you need to be a strong leader in that position on the desk. And yeah. he still flubs sentences like I do yeah. you know, and has a difficult time formulating his thoughts into cohesive sentences like I do. Right. So I don't think that Slater
1: really took you'll get the more by the horns. You'll get more and more. I'm thinking of some, okay. some great branding slogans. <laughs> who's who's this guy? Gigs that we
0: saw on the desk. Do you know South guy? African guy? Yeah. Who or, is he? Don't know. Where's he come from? I have no clue. Okay. Neither did I, and I didn't. I didn't research it. I'm sure the information's out there, but it's like he wasn't that great as far as I was concerned. Um,
1: he was in the booth with Pete oftentimes, and one thing I did notice is that he's. He's intelligent, like the way sure. that he does string together sentences and words and phrases. Like you can tell, he's well educated. Yes, because w- there was never any of the, you know, sort of the flub ups that you or I or Strider or some others might make when yeah. they're trying to get what's up in the brain out through the lips.
0: I agree with that. Um, his energy level is low. Not a ton of insight. He's just there to kind of deliver the blow by blow, I suppose. But it wasn't that exciting, and. I think that it's a learning curve. There is a learning curve involved. And if he's given more time, he'll sort a lot of those things out. But it was a different event, man. John John won it. John John was ripping, dude. He was. Yeah. John John ended up in the final with Jack Freestone.
1: Who was surfing well. Who
0: turned out was on my fantasy. I know.
1: You did really well, I noticed. Dude, I
0: won the fantasy. I won the clubhouse.
1: I know. You had a 1,000-something points, right?
0: 1,043. Yeah. Which I, I saw that. Not only did I win the wager pool, uh, like of the 30 people who wagered, I won that. 30? I think you so. won 300 bucks. Yeah, I think. Good for you. No. Maybe it was... Tw- Whatever. I think it was 21 in the men, maybe nine in the Would women Did you win the women's? No. <laughs> I've been blowing it in the women's side. But not only did I win the wager, I think I won the overall for all of the men's division.
1: Did um, Really?
0: Yeah. I, know I, you, I, I was the most looking points out of anybody in Rio.
1: Wow! So you get the prize pack? Do you win the prize pack yeah. from from ProLite or whatever?
0: No, no, no. Just in our clubhouse. I mean, oh, not not in the
1: hole. Yeah, no, but but still, system. you were pretty high up. Like, yeah, like the most was like one thousand ninety six, I think, or something. Yeah. I don't know. We'd have to look, but I remember seeing it and going, "Holy mackerel!" Well, it
0: was a low scoring event because there was a lot of the key guys were out, and then um, a lot of the key guys didn't do well and then the guys there were a couple guys who did well that were like 1.5 million bucks or 3 million bucks like Jack Freestone so what you want to do if you want to make big changes in the fantasy surfer world if you, everybody has Felipe on their team everybody has Gabriel so if Gabriel wins it nothing changes in the clubhouse rankings if he loses nothing changes because we all lose so what you want is these guys that are the outliers. wild horses, the outliers. And yeah. so I happened to identify Jack Freestone as an outlier, had him on my team, and then he did well and it bumped me up a lot.
1: What about Matt Banning? How's he doing on your team? <laughs> I didn't have him on my team. What about the Costa Rican kid?
0: He's not on the um, on the world tour. Yeah,
1: okay. way,
0: to, way to try to shame me, buddy. Let's <laughs> no, just focus on what I did well, which was Jack Congratulations, you did really so, well. So by the way, Jack Freestone, let's talk about his surfing for a second.
1: He surprised me. Really, he looked good. Really
0: solid fundamentals, dude. The guy yeah. drives hard off the bottom and goes hard off the top he gets two turns in he doesn't need to get three he doesn't need to get four because two turns will earn you an eight at a dumpy beach break and he was doing that he was slamming it it
1: looked like his surfing you know sort of spoke to that dumpy beach break like yeah I've seen him for instance at Snapper and he didn't look all that great like he looks a little out of sync or his style just isn't right yeah there's too much time for him to think almost whereas this was like bang 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 and That sort of bang 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 quickness of the beach break really sort of you know made sense for his surfing. It
0: does. And that's why I put him on the team. I think he'll only do good at two events this year. This was one of them, and then Lowers will be the other one. Hmm. I don't see him or maybe you know, the beach breaks in Europe, I suppose could you know, you could argue that if he did well at Rio, he'll do well there. But I think that there's other guys who will do better there. Uh, I think he will do good at lowers. I'm not putting him on my team for the South Pacific at all or Hawaii. But I will say his surfing reminds me a lot of Julian Wilson's. It's radical. The fundamentals are super strong. His style is beautiful. But what he has over Julian is that it's fresh for us. We expect Julian to do what we know that he could do. Jack Freestone came out and did the same thing that Julian does, but we hadn't seen it before because he's been injured for four out of the five events, I think. Um, So knowing that he was coming back into this, knowing that the venue is what it was, I thought Jack Freestone's a safe bet for the 3 million bucks. And I'm thrilled to say that he delivered. What I want to talk about Julian or um, John, John Florence though, is his wizardry will always be in tube riding and he's proven it to us countless times before at Pipeline, but he's proven it to us a few times in France and now in Rio, or actually twice in Rio because he's won twice there. His rubbery recoveries and amazing airs are always great, but to be honest, they're rivaled by Felipe and Gabriel. We will see Felipe do gnarly airs, and it's hard to pick a point of difference with John John's airs versus Felipe. And you can make an argument like maybe Felipe's landing percentage is better and then John John's improvisation is better and you can kind of try to define these things but there's a lot it's all in the nuance whereas John John's barrel riding is unrivaled to be honest it's unrivaled by Kelly Slater or anybody else so he goes out into those conditions and always gets the best ones finds barrels where nobody else is finding barrels on a day where there's only one or two makeable waves He'll be in the heat that finds those waves and he'll be the guy to find them. And in the free surf session in the morning, he will be the one who threads the gnarliest one. So that's where, where you know, I use the word wizardry because he's the freaking wizard. There's nobody else that wills it into fruition. We've seen Kelly do it at, throughout his career at different venues, but for barrels, John John's the guy. You know, all
1: right. And um, what were the odds that that there wouldn't be a Brazilian in the final? Before, not good before the first heat. Yeah, not good. I mean, you, you had to think there was going to be a Brazilian in the final. That was the most surprising thing about this event,
0: right? I agree for sure. And Gabriel, to be honest, looked unbeatable. Like in every heat, he looked like the guy to beat. And Jack Freestone beat him.
1: And and Gabriel did that incredible backflip thing that that. Like wow. made it. It made it into national news. Yeah, international news. Yeah, that he did this backflip. What was it called? Yeah, I think it's just a backflip. Yeah. He
0: did. Uh, it was on a left, so front side for him. pumped down the line, air backflip. Kind of like we've seen Tim Curran do and Flynn Novak, and actually Gabriel's done one or two of them. I've seen one at Rocky Point a couple years ago that he did, but he did it in a heat. It's the first it time we've seen it done. It was in a pretty heat.
1: damn clean. Very clean. Um. And and what's interesting about that is that it didn't that we, that it didn't lead our discussion this morning. That right that it's it's just kind of like another air. I mean, yeah, it's rad, but we're we're sort of we're a little bit dumbed down to it almost. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, why is that? Because everybody's busting radical airs, and and I just think that I don't know. It's just we're a little, you know. It, I I think.
0: Personally, I think it's a psychological issue. I think that we have a hard time even understanding what it is to like when. That's uh, probably true. Julian Wilson did the sushi role back in his film. I forget even what the name of that film was. Big Quicksilver budget thing. Yeah, Young Guns uh, or something. No, it wasn't Young Guns. Uh. That was a thing, but that wasn't his thing. And then Julie or um, Jordy Smith did a backflip in indonesia that is still regarded as no as a backside kind of flip. flips rodeo flip oh, yeah. rodeo flip i think yeah. it's a rodeo flip he's done a bunch of supermans too but the point is those were game-changing airs that they've never actually bettered five and ten years ago Well, they i would did argue them.
1: that this was a, a historic moment it and that it, and that it hasn't received a sort of i mean it got some play obviously but it just didn't maybe just it's like a news cycle thing you know it was a big first like three or four days and like there's new news coming through the pipeline and so it just didn't hang on for very long
0: that's true but to my point i think like our brain doesn't really have a frame of reference to really understand and appreciate how gnarly those things are i would agree when the the sushi roll came around and when the rodeo flip we like it and we know that it's rad but again the degrees of nuance and difference between that and an air reverse we can't comprehend and so we almost can't appreciate it to the level that it deserves to be appreciated yeah it's it's too gnarly because when gabriel later did his crazy backside air spin that also did you see that one maybe he got a right i don't know which round it was in did a backside 360 air landed it cleanly went right into the bottom and then right into a huge end section smash which he also got 10 points for
1: so, Can we talk about his claim, too, by the way? Yeah, I know. He's got that claim, like, I don't know. Like, he, he's got this new I don't know claim where yeah. he, like, just kind of shrugs his shoulders and goes...
0: Right. Like that. Hands you know, out to hands the side. Out. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Like, he's like, he can't believe it either, right. but it's almost kind of insincere. Yeah. Well... See, the claim gets more discussion than... It
0: does. So, on that backflip, he got a 10, and then on this backside spin, he got a 10... I think the backflip's way gnarlier. I mean, really, to me, I thought they were both 10-point rides and they were both gnarly. The backside spin is actually easier to appreciate because we have some frame of reference for it, and it's a couple degrees gnarlier than other backside spins that we've seen. But the truth of the matter is that front flip is a gnarlier move by a lot of degrees, but we don't have a scale for it and we don't have a frame of reference. It's just they're both unbelievably gnarly.
1: What about this? The the idea that when you think about skateboarding and guys that skate on ramps and in bowls and pools and stuff. Guys that do that most of them can do aerials. Like yeah. you know like if you're skating in a pool, you know I would I would argue that 8 out of 10 guys that are skating in a pool can do an air. Yeah. So they understand the nuance. And so when you go to like a pro skate event, totally And you see guys on the half pipe and they're like at the X Games and they're doing radical shit and they're pushing the limits and people are raising their hands going, oh my God, that was insane. I think it's because more of the enthusiast base, the hardcore skater gets it because they can do that. And to your point, not not a whole lot of us do aerials when we go surfing, like very, very little, very few relative to the number of surfers in the water. Yeah. And maybe that's part of it, right? It is.
0: And that... Speaks to what I brought. I mean, maybe a year ago we were talking about the beauty of Rob Machado and the reason why he's everybody. One of he's everybody's favorite surfer. One of their favorite surfers, and Tom Curran. The same thing is he's surfing a style in a style that you and I can relate to. He's doing well, rap- he's,
1: they're dancing,
0: and he, but he's going down the line doing turns. And it's like, oh, that's what I do. He's doing it to a way better degree than right, I'm doing right, it.
1: Right, right, but yeah.
0: I can relate to it. I can aspire to that. I can do that. When I see Gabriel do a backflip, there's no I can't even aspire to that. That's not even in my realm of, a, on my best day, if I was ach- achieving my full potential, I would never even think to do that. So this is much more relatable.
1: And for Gabriel, getting to that moment where he's in the air um, might not be as pretty. Right. As, say, That's Rob true. or Craig Anderson or Tom Curran. So he, he takes off on the wave and he's like, here we go. And I won't say he's wanking, but he's solely focused on boosting this thing. Yeah. And so that means maybe not going down to the bottom and scoring off a bottom turn, but kind of doing a couple of fin check turns high in the wave phase to get the speed going to then banking. So all of his energy is focused on this one thing out outside yeah. of the wave phase, which is certainly outside of uh, you know the average surfer's realm of possibility
0: yeah let me ask you though as a surfer when you watch john john's highlights through the event which are barrels and then a turn when he comes out versus gabriel's highlights which make espn for doing a backflip as a surfer what would you prefer to do if you went out to rio and you could recreate one of those two things what would they be what would it be
1: well I think that it's pretty damn exciting to be doing aerials the way that Gabe's doing aerials. Like, if I could do that, if I was at that point where I was like, I'm going to go out and try some new aerials today, I would be all about that. See, I'd pick John John. Well, you're, I'm assuming that I can already do the John John stuff because now I'm doing aerials. No.
0: Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, as a surfer, what do you more identify with? John John. Dropping into these bottomed out under sea level. Well, yeah, and can, then getting blown yeah, out. I mean,
1: too, if getting ra- tubed is the is the ultimate. Right, then, it really it, is. Then it is what it is, which right? is
0: why he won the event. You know, yeah. it's like Gabriel's doing something that's radical and it makes the highlight thing. But I don't really want to do that. I don't aspire to it, and I know I can't. But John John's, it's just it's that, so it's more so aspirational. Awesome. It to really you. is. And like those waves that he was getting, it's like. <laughs> Those things were under sea level, like sucking out. They were so rad looking and then so much spit. I really love John, John. (laughs) Again, I think everybody had him on their team going into Rio. So that didn't really shift any, um, the world
1: world title race has certainly been shaken up a little bit. Well,
0: Matt Wilco is another story. I, I was predicting he was going to drop the ball. There's no way he can go four for four or whatever. And dude, round two loss. To remember, a wild what, remember
1: what we said at midway through the Australian yeah. leg? Yeah. Chloe and Dino and Matt Wilkinson need to back up what they did at snapper. Well, Wilco did. Chloe, I think I had him on my team. How far along did Chloe get? Round two. Chloe sort of like took that one great result and just went, okay, I'm good for the rest of the season and didn't like take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. You know, Now, look, we're only halfway through the season, if that. Yeah. There's a lot... You know, to be but you would think that Kolohe would do well in Rio. Yeah. And frankly, at Margaret River.
0: Yeah. Well, um Tyler Wright won the women's. What's that look like? <laughs> you don't care at all.
1: No, I'm just I mean No, I care. I, I like seeing good surfing. Yeah. But I mean if we're you know, this kind of comes down to the whole like do we, you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, what? I well, thought Tyler Wright was ripping.
1: Look, I, uh, Tyler Wright shreds. She's a better surfer than I am. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're so afraid
0: to say what you really want to say. No, about no, no, Tyler Wright winning in Rio.
1: No, but I mean, look, it's like the women's NBA. Are you following it? Nah, Why not? Nah, nah. Do you like the NBA? I do. Why don't you follow the WNBA? Cause I
0: like seeing people score. Well, you like seeing the best so. of the best. Exactly.
1: Now, is that sexist to say that? No. You want to see the best of the best? Yeah. Why not mix the girls in the and the and the boys? Like let's just have them all surf together. Cuz the girls will get smashed based on the judging criteria. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I thought Tyler Wright was ripping. One thing that we need to pay Homage to her just acknowledge is that Glenn Hall is her coach, and Glenn Hall's having the best year of his life. Between Wilco winning on the men's side, which is one of his students, and then Tyler smashing on the women's side.
1: Does Tyler right just to beat up Glenn Hall? <laughs> just spit <laughs> him out could. like a used watermelon seed.
0: Um well we're going into Fiji. Do you have any picks that you want to comment on for Fiji? And by the way, the women's event starts, I think, five or six days earlier than the men's event, so they will have the pick of the best swell and conditions well, days for those. Here's
1: things. the deal with Fiji. Let let's look back at Sunday, right? This Sunday. This Sunday, Sunday yeah. last Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive swell in Fiji. Surfline did a like up to the minute thing. And it was it was semi fascinating. But made me realize that what the WSL or Red Bull or some other competitor, or the ideally the WSL, but whoever it is, they need to create a surgical strike tour. Oh, yeah. They take Rabbit Bartholomew's Dream Tour concept to the next level, right? And just real quick, the history of the Dream Tour, as a marketing director at Billabong, Rabbit created the Billabong Challenge series where he'd bring really great Billabong surfers to somewhere and they'd sit on that spot and wait for the waves to get good and then they'd hold an event. It was like 10 10 guys max. So then he took that concept with him when he became president of the ASP and that's what became known as the Dream Tour. So now I'm saying what we need is a twist, right? Instead of going to surf spots during the prime season and camping out for two weeks in hopes of a swell, what this new Surgical Strike Tour will do Is wait for a swell and then go. So instead of going and wait, we wait and then we go. And we saw this on Sunday, as I mentioned, uh, at Fiji. There were plenty of hard charging surfers, right, that took on cloud break, meaty waves up to 15, maybe bigger, 15 to 18 foot faces, thundering, thundering, massive, huge swell. There was no jerseys, there was no judges, but I was compelled to go onto Surfline and watch this thing, and determine who was the winner in my mind. And as we all know, Damien Hobgood. If this was in fact a surgical strike tour event, Damien Hobgood would have won the event. He got the one wave. It was a closeout. I mean, he didn't. It wasn't a closeout, but he didn't make the end section. He
0: made a lot of the wave.
1: Oh and God! Multiple it, barrels. Multiple barrels, out. and then the last one was so mind-boggling, deep and thick, and it was just. It was awesome. Yeah. Right? So. Point is, is that there's definitely a market for this. Like oh, guys yeah. like you and I will tune would tune into a live broadcast of the Surgical Strike Tour. Um, no judges, no jerseys. All you really need is three ingredients: perfect waves, great surfers, and a broadcast feed. Yep, that's where the WSL comes in, and or some other entity, right? And now there's going to be an obvious winner. Just like everyone knows, Dam- you don't even need judges. Like right. Damien won, right? But if in the case where it's not obvious, then judging occurs via the community ballot with videos of each wave on the website later on. So live, when it's happening live, you and I get to vote on who's who's winning.
0: Right. We all win in this scenario.
1: And it's a winner-take-all purse. I like it. And the amount of the prize purse is determined by the number of people who pay the $1 or $2 to watch the feed all day. Perfect. So you and I throw 2 bucks down. And if we get a hundred thousand people to do that the price purse is 200 grand yeah so Damien Hobgood would have walked away with 200 grand for his and he deserved it because yeah. that was gnarly um, I think this is something that needs to be explored right it's we're pretty limited to the spots where this could happen you can't do this at snapper you yeah. can't do this at Kira you can't do this at places that already have a population of surfers that aren't necessarily going to be stoked when 15 surfers and a broadcast feed show up and just make it Fallacious, but there, there are some spots where this can happen, and I think Cloud Break is obviously one of them, especially when it's that big because right. there are only so many takers, right? Yep. And the cool thing is, David, if you're that guy, you can paddle out. If you're there and that's your week at Tavi, you can paddle out and go get them. Yeah. You know, you can go win the two hundred grand.
0: would be amazing. or die.
1: Yeah. Right. So some of the places I think we could do this are Cloud Break, um, Skeleton Bay. Yeah. Right, that's another surgical strike zone where guys just wait for that swell and then they all show up and they hit it. Yeah, That would be a cool spot to do it. Um there's probably some spots up in British Columbia, up in the west coast of Canada, yeah. that, that you could do something like this. For sure Nova Scotia. Um Shipstern's Bluff, yep. maybe it might be too there's already a crew of guys that are on that every swell anyway. But I'm I'm saying good, let those guys be a part of it. They should win.
0: Yeah. You know? This isn't all that different than the um xxl awards kind of
1: yeah it doesn't have to be massive though like it can no, be I mean, a, a perfect but spot they apply
0: that same format where it's like you could be the random dude like aaron gold was at piahi and payahi and uh paddles paddle it's a guy that we've never heard of before paddles into and gets the biggest wave ever ridden
1: because he's on it the surgical strike tour yeah are you a fan
0: I'm a huge fan. There's
1: islands up in the northern chain of Fiji where you could do this. Yeah. And the best one of all, I think, is the Cortez Bank, which mm. surprisingly got no play, no discussion at all during this El Nino 2016 year. Where was the Cortez Bank?
0: Well, were guys surfing it? Have you? Did you see any? No, that's my point. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, why not? Right. So anyway, um, the Surgical Strike Tour, I think it's something that, that people would pay to, to do. Like, like I say... I, I saw that swell arriving at Fiji. Everyone saw it. That looks at surf. That looks at maps. Yep. It was going to be massive. There's actually another one coming right now. Yep. For and, the women's event, and um, I think it's something that would be pretty cool. And I don't think there would be a lot of of cost involved from a, a logistics standpoint. Like sure. I said, you don't pay for the surfers to show up. They just show up if they want to be there. All you do is show up and start filming it and yeah. do a broadcast feed. And you know, you might need one or two guys. To talk it through, you know? Yeah. Um, Well,
0: I saw Damian Hobgood there at the boardroom show.
1: Yeah. CJ was there. Was Was it CJ?
0: No, I saw Damo. Well, maybe CJ was there too. But I saw Damo coincidentally with Aaron Gold, who I just mentioned, and they both went to Fiji together. And Aaron was in the news yesterday for um, having a horrendous wipeout near-death experience where... He got held underwater. They found him floating on the inside, face down. And thankfully, the rescue team on the jet ski swooped in, pulled him out of the water, or yeah, pulled him out of the water, took him over to the channel, revived him back to life, and then took him back to the island where he was able to get the proper medical attention and has made a recovery and looks to make a full recovery. But. By the way, a heavy the, situation. I would urge you guys
1: to go to Surfline and see their full page, yeah, full screen uh, feature article photos, videos on on the Tavarua, yeah. the Cloud Break event that happened Sunday and yesterday, Monday. Mm. It's pretty well written, is it? Yeah, I enjoyed Do it. Do you know who wrote it? Or who um, wrote it? it was a name I hadn't seen before, like hmm. Andrew or Anthony something. But okay,
0: I'll look it up. It's pretty good. Yeah,
1: crazy. So that. It's a
0: great lead-in to the event itself that's coming, and yes. hopefully the event gets proper swell and can hold up to the so, hype. So
1: this is an event where, first of all, do you put Kelly Slater on your team?
0: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely, Ab-
1: absolutely right? So a roll of the dice might be to not put them on your team because everybody else is going to have them on your team. Okay. That's a roll of the dice. You're like, no, Bass, True. I'm not buying into that. Um, And then, of course, like most South Pacific events, um, well, Fiji and Cloud Break, I guess, or uh, Fijian uh, Chopu, you've got to have uh, guys with, with no rookies. Don't put any rookies on your team. Mm. No Connor Coffin.
0: Well, you would have said that last year and Idolo Ferrer beat Slater there. So, right. And he was the rookie. Right. So you never do now.
1: All right. Well, foot in mouth syndrome.
0: <laughs> Alex Ribiero is going to win the event. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, by the way, Andrew Lewis is the guy's name that wrote the surfing yeah. article. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, listeners, if you want to play in the Fantasy Clubhouse... And is this you want Kai
1: Otten's last event? Like, where's Kai <laughs> Otten on the... Actually, he didn't show where, up
0: in Rio either. This is
1: where he, you put Kai Otten on your yeah. team. The I one, agree. The one event you put Kai Otten. Especially
0: on. if it's going to be massive. Yeah.
1: So, listeners, though, if you want to wager
0: for Rio, get your bets in. Uh, while we were sitting here, I got a payment from the guy who won the women's event in Rio, Mark BCH. But... um that, again, the women's event starts a few days earlier. So if you want to play the women's, get your payment in ASAP. And then if you want to play the men's, I think you have 10 days or something until that event kicks off. But podcast.com, and then there's a Fantasy Surfer tab that explains how to join the clubhouse and then how to send payment in. Um, there's a number of things, uh, videos, that relate to things that you were just talking about. You talked about Skeleton Bay. Did you see Alex Smith's... Uh, 60 second drainer that he got there he it was a gopro video yeah it's insane he he gets backside barrels
1: anthony walsh
0: no no no. this one was alex smith (laughs) where he gets a backside barrel threads through a lot of it 30 seconds of it and then switches from pig dog stance into a seated position where his two feet are at the nose of the board sitting down like you would sit in a kayak and makes the end section of the barrel that way. Right. It's freaking so Do you do it rad. on purpose? Yeah. Gnarly. Yeah. Or I don't know. You know, naturally, if you're in that pig dog, you almost naturally can yeah. just roll into that. Yeah. Or if you get hit by the foam ball or whitewash. Knocked
1: back on your butt.
0: Yeah. You kind of end up sitting down. Well, he ends up going from pig dog into sitting and then probably just like slings his right leg up onto the board. But it's so rad because he makes multiple sections, pig dog weaving, and then just... You're, again, it's a GoPro angle from like maybe it was a mouthpiece, the mouth guard mount that he's holding it in. So it's a point of view angle. And then you just see his two feet on the nose of the board at some point. So you realize that he's positioned into sitting. And then he makes – he threads a section or two sitting on his butt and then gets blown out. Wow. And he's like hooting. He's like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> it's so rad.
1: That sounds fun. So
0: I'll post that on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Um, and then additionally – Lost has released License to Chill, an 11 part series with Mason Ho and his buddy Cheeseburger. Keone Nozaki, I think maybe is the kid's name. But um, that's been the most fun thing to hit the internet in some time. You debuted part one at the boardroom show. Mason was there on hand to show it.
1: Yep, it was awesome. Yeah. License to Chill. Mason was a cool guy. I got to meet him. Super, super happy go lucky. Yeah. Energy and. How rad was the switchfoot Mason did at the end of the of that section where he's in... I think he's at G-Land or something. I forget. He goes switchfoot and rides this wave.
0: They're at Desert Point in that Oh, that Desert section. Point. Yeah, yeah, that
1: was Desert Point.
0: Well, um, the video... Oh, yeah. Kelly Slater's talking about his wave pool on Good Today. Morning
1: America. Oh, Today Show. Today. The Today Show. Well, this is re- one of the Today Show girls that... So Slater and his crew invited mainstream media girl, um, people... To ride it. So one of the today shows Natalie people, Morales. Yeah, is r- Rides This Wave.
0: Okay. I this just aired today and I recorded it, but it was airing while we were here. Scott just pulled up the video clip. Where'd you find that?
1: a friend of mine who's actually an engineer on this <laughs> sent it to me.
0: An engineer on what?
1: The Kelly Slater Wave Pool. Oh really?
0: Yeah. Um so we can post the link to that on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com and boardroomshow.com. A bunch of new footage that we've never seen before and a I guess, Natalie, Natalie Morales surfing it as well. Um, so anyways, did you watch The License to Chill, both parts? Part one was in uh, Bali, and it was super exciting because Mason Ho's doing his rock. Like, he's surfing so close to the cliff at Uluwatu. He's playing Wacha, with the rocks, huh? He's, like, getting as close as possible as the wave is pushing into the cliff and then doing, like judo kick floaters like doing a floater and doing a one step kick out and stuff it was just so rad to see he ends up hitting the rocks with his board and smashing I think he
1: it. likes to hit the rocks
0: I guess so cuz then part 2 that he released just yesterday um he's doing the same thing on the north shore at that one spot that he surfs in front of the rocks
1: Well so- my must see moment is um is I don't know if you saw this I saw it on um swellnet which is an Australian website But uh, sorry, we're watching this Today Show thing. So
0: on the Today Show thing, Natalie Morales is on the back of a jet ski, which is tracking in front of the wave while Kelly Slater is riding it and getting barreled. So she's in like a full suit, not a not a wetsuit, but like an actual reporter's suit suit, pantsuit on the back of the jet ski while they're shooting it 10 feet away from Kelly ripping.
1: Um, my musty moment is Dane Reynolds. There's something's old, something's new, something's borrowed, something's used. Yep. It's a bunch of kind of old footage, but it it did fire me up to go surfing.
0: Fired you up on Dane again too.
1: It fired me up to just I I, I watched it in the waves were complete crap, which it has been around here for a while.
0: Yeah, he's surfing at home in Santa Barbara County, Yeah, and, Wood and-,
1: and it did it. You know, it got me like, okay, I'm grabbing my twin fin, I'm going surfing. Yeah.
0: yeah. What about it made you want to rip?
1: Um, you know what was really cool is. Backside, he's doing this kind of like hip, like he, he's really kind of torquing his hips and really using his back foot and just doing these really fast kind of like snappy hits. But but what's really cool is when he's down at the bottom doing his backside bottom turn, you can really see him ca- kind of generate power and torque with his hips. He he does a couple of these like I don't know, you got to watch it, but you'll see what I mean when when he does these backside bottom turns. The 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 sort of the hip rotation or the hip torque that he gets. Backside, yeah. it's pretty cool. Uh,
0: so that would mean you'd have to go left.
1: Yeah, I go left, but <laughs> I don't I, think you did. Well, I, I, I quit going left when I turned forty, but I still make exceptions when it's a good left. Okay, you which just, could which could be anytime. I, <laughs> I make the the call. On
0: I that. see, I see. Yeah. Have you ever paddled out at a left point break though since you've turned forty?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, not maybe not a point, but a reef. Yeah, you know?
0: and then you went right.
1: No, I left because <laughs> they were all good ones.
0: Right. Um, uh, by the way, bunch of one of the my friends who's a listener of this show who i introduced you to referenced you never going left and he said that he doesn't go left either because of that but we did meet a bunch of fans at the show which was that was
1: really cool all the people that we met at the boardroom show
0: all day both days you were walking up like hey david this guy found me he said he's a listener well people would
1: come up to me and go hey i love your show where's david lee scales i'd be like oh i had to like (laughs) you were like the star of the whole deal i had to like i was like your pr guy you know that's right
0: as it should be (laughs) Um, Well, my must-see moment isn't those things that I previously discussed, even though I'll post them on surfsplendorpodcast.com. My must-see moment is the film Barney by Volcom. Did you see this? No. 30-minute piece that Volcom produced on Sean Barney Barron, who passed away this past year. Um, And, I mean, he's just such a fascinating character, and the piece is 30 minutes. They did a really good job of... Illustrating the character that Barney was. And cool. Yeah, I really, really loved it. They interviewed everybody, uh, a bunch of people who were in his inner circle, and had tons of footage, of course, of him surfing and interviews with him and um, barrel rolls. Barrel rolls. St- I mean, the guy was an innovator, and I just, I, I was well worth my 30 minutes. So, Barney is my must see moment by Volcom. I'll post it. My duke for the week is Alex Gray. For a story that's been told over and over again, but it was retold recently and I really enjoyed it, Um, Alex Gray is from the South Bay of Los Angeles and there's a local media outlet there. I think they're really just a magazine called Our South Bay and they started this new series called South Bay Strong where they highlight a community member and this time they decided to highlight Alex Gray. It's not a surf publication, but they do honor the local surfers and the surf history there. And so they did this five-minute video piece on Alex called South Bay Strong. And Alex, one of the big obstacles that he's had to overcome in his life was the death of his older brother who died of a heroin overdose when Alex was a teenager, and it rocked Alex's world. And what's interesting is that what we know of Alex Gray more than anything, more than his surfing exploits, is just that he's this super jovial, high-energy, likable, affable dude And so when you hear his backstory, it's kind of even more impressive that he's been able to persevere such hardship and such a traumatic thing and not go off the rails. He still exhibits like this very positive vibe. And so um, I think it's always important to retell that story. And, um, you know, drugs is a big thing in the surf culture, of course.
1: uh, Did the Barney thing talk about drugs at all?
0: Yeah, it did. In a very responsible way, I thought. and and. One of the things that it said at the beginning of the Barney piece was like, look, we acknowledge Barney's substance abuse issues. We're not making this piece to look the other way or to, um, to like venerate him as a person. Like,
1: he was just our friend. It was,
0: it was what it was. Yeah. He was just our friend. And what we're going to do with this piece is highlight what an interesting person that he was. Warts and all. We're not ignoring it. We're not high. Good. I'm glad they did I was
1: wondering about that. Yeah. No, they
0: acknowledged it openly in the opening, um, slideshow, you know, uh, slides that they put up before the video part started. So Alex Gray's piece I'll put on surf splendor podcast. Alex
1: was at the boardroom show too. And he, he, he took part in one of the, um, big wave, uh, Seminars. Yep. And he, it was good to see him. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Yep. And Greg
0: the, Long was part of that.
1: Aaron Gold.
0: Aaron Gold was yeah, part of Yeah, Greg wasn't that.
1: there, actually. Oh, he wasn't? No. Oh,
0: okay. Um, but there was some
1: interesting stuff that Jeff went down. Jeff
0: Clark. Well, well, the most me.
1: interesting thing that went down was the WSL, like, basically what, what's pro surfing going to look like in 10 years right. seminar. And Maurice Cole, and I'm probably paraphrasing it because I heard about it secondhand from Maurice, but he basically said, hey, look if if the WSL had some cojones, they would make every single surfer in the WSL ride a sustainable surfboard and you will see a paradigm shift in the surfboard manufacturing industry right away yeah interesting. and and now the entire the entire you know pro surfing community will be sort of ambassadors for an environmentally sensitive surfboard mm-hmm and and that'll make a big change. And then he, what was really interesting is that he pointed to Formula One race cars. And apparently Formula One, they just drew a line in the sand. They said, next year, don't show up unless your car is uh, whatever it was. There were some parameters that it had to meet. And But it was a big change, you know, right. and it was a big shock to the Formula One world. And they're like, holy crap. And, of course, they all showed up with, you know, instead of eight-cylinder cars, they were six-cylinder cars. And they all had certain emissions that they had to meet, you know, Parameters, but anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, like the power that the WSL has to make change. Um, it could be felt, yeah, rather quickly if they would por- sort of put a line in the sand and say, "Hey, look, the performance isn't going to change." Like you know what I mean? Like let's get real; these guys are going to pump aerials on doors. Right? Doesn't matter. Let's just do the right thing here.
0: And the manufacturers will step up their game to then make the sustainable... Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. It needs to come from up top. You know, yeah. It's not going to come from the consumer. Yeah. And When they all see John John and Gabe Medina and these guys riding all 100% sustainable surfboards, mm-hmm. then... Um, yeah.
0: Maurice is an interesting dude. And by the way, is it pronounced Maurice or Morris? Both. Okay.
1: Yeah. Because I hear used to be refer
0: to him as Morris.
1: Colin. Well, it's Morris. It, it used to be if you called him Maurice, he would get pissed. Oh, okay. But he sensed... Softened. softened, yeah. Kern was but there it's, it's too. It's really Morris.
0: Um, yeah, he's an interesting guy who, by the way, gets himself into hot water all the time on Beach Grit's message boards, oh, yeah. or like in he's the comment section on Beach Grit. His opinion. It's funny, and, it, and then he he fights back with people. People talk crap, and then he just does like twenty rounds back and oh, forth yeah, with no, him. It, goes, like, it goes
1: on and don't on. even
0: don't even get involved in this. Well, he's
1: so so Morris has got this cool thing right the reverse V project with Tom Kern yeah you've got to see this book it's insane it's one of the best like big coffee table glossy books I've ever seen and it, it basically tells a lot of of Morris's history his his upbringing and then it goes into Tom Kern's upbringing and then it goes into how they met and how the reverse V surfboard came about and how Curran used the board to to go through the trials and become the th- uh, three-time world champion I mean Tom Curran had to go through the trials at every single event yeah. just to get into the main event and he went on to win the world title that year so on gnarly. these reverse V uh, Morris Cole boards so and gnarly. it's a really great book and I think they're limited edition but uh, I got a PDF version on my computer that I've been looking at and it's fascinating
0: that's rad um, my kook I kind of alluded to it earlier in the show is are the jet ski drivers in Rio for endangering the lives of our competitors. I mean, literally, guys, the ski didn't land on any of them, but it could. Have. It, it very well could have. They literally like charged straight into there was one, I think it was with Kayo Abelli on the on the sled later in the rounds, uh, maybe round five or something. It was a freaking double up set wave. And the jet ski driver tried to charge the thing as it was breaking like not and early. pitching. And there was no other way for it to end than for the ski to flip. And not only did it flip, it got airborne first and then flipped. It's like, I don't know why he didn't divert and go right or left or turn the thing around. And the commentators were watching it, commenting like, oh, no, what's he going to do? Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. You know, you just see this <laughs> thing unfolding. And it's, again, <laughs> Every second is important in a 30 minute heat, obviously, so that's not good. But additionally, the surfer could get injured or his board could get smashed, and that was happening. Guys' boards were getting dinged on the jet skis. Fin um, boxes getting punched in, all sorts of stuff. So uh, I know that Rio is the real troublemaker, and we don't have these types of issues at Cloud Break necessarily because there's a channel that they can dodge the waves through, but I'll post videos. Of the yeah. jetski wipeouts in my kook of the week. Yeah, one
1: final thing I want to say is um, there's this show on HBO. Uh, it's called All the Way, and it's it's a historical feature on LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, and his struggle with the civil rights movement and the politics behind it all. And the guy who plays LBJ is Brian Cranston, who's the lead guy in um, Breaking Bad. Yep. So if you're into history at all, it's fascinating. A really great movie. On HBO, It's called All the Way. Good to know. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, nice to get back into the recording booth, man.
1: I know. It's been too long. We're sorry we took so long, but the boardroom took a little bit out of both of us, I think.
0: No kidding, man. Life beckons. Work beckons. Yeah. Podcast gets back-burnered.
1: Yeah, we need to get paid for this thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should be sponsored by the boardroom show, I think. We do such a good job promoting it, on.
1: that's the only reason I do this thing (laughs) from out the boardroom
0: (laughs) right. well um, surfingheritage.org is who we need to direct people to because that's where we are right now and that's our home recording studio we're thrilled to be able to broadcast out of here and for them to let us use their space and Wi-Fi
1: yes thank you Surfing Heritage Yeah. alright until next time adios and aloha Done. Could I keep on keeping on? We'll climb that bridge after it's gone. After we'll wade
0: it, oh, we ride behind. Shoot, all, all Dylan, all day today. My, uh, our local Los Angeles public radio station, KCRW, has an online channel called Eclectic Twenty Four. And they are doing 24 hours of Bob Dylan to celebrate his birthday. So I've had that on all day long. And it's been absolutely delightful. So they archive everything, I'm pretty sure. So you can go back, go on their website, kcrw.com, and you can get a link to that full day. Interviews with him, uh, cover versions of his songs, him covering other people's songs. Just all sorts of really interesting things. So... Check that out if you're at all into Dylan and if you're at all into this show surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you go to see all the videos links, articles everything that we discussed in this show and uh, on social media at Surf Splendor. share the show with friends help us spread the word we will produce the content if you promote it for us how's that? sound like a deal? alright until next time this is your host of Surf Splendor David Scales saying thank you for listening and I encourage you Get out in the water, catch a couple waves, and shred on.
1: Ooh-wee, ride behind tomorrow's the day that my drives are gonna come. Ooh-wee, oh, we're gonna fly, down and the easy trail. the day